You know, most of us here today, um, we would agree that uh, God can use people to do things. That God God uses people to uh, to do great things in life. But when it comes down to our own life and our own selves, we really seriously doubt a lot of times that God can use us. I mean, God, He can use people like Billy Graham. He can use people like uh, like Chris Tomlin. You know, those kind of people. But there is no way possible that God can use me. Have you ever felt that way? You ever, ever felt that way in your life? You know, if you're anything like I am, and as soon as you start to go towards doing something for God and you know trying to do God's will in your life and maybe using a gift or you know a passion that God has given you, you start going that direction, saying, "Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to try this. I'll try to do what God wants me to do." It's it's amazing how quickly these nagging thoughts come into our mind. And they start, they start beating us up. And, and maybe you've thought things like, I'm not good enough. You know, there's, there's no way I can do this. Or I don't know enough of the Bible. Or I'm not a mature enough Jesus follower. Or maybe you thought, I've messed up too many times in too big a ways that there's, you know, I'm damaged goods. There's no way that God can possibly use me. Or maybe you thought, I don't have any great talents. Or I've got some things in my life that just aren't right. Because, you know, I still own cats. And so there's... <laughs> And so there's no way that God can use me because of that. And so that's my only cat joke for the day. Whatever it, whatever it is, you know, whatever it could be for you, there's, there's, all sort, there's all sorts of reasons that come into our mind of why God can't use us or why he, there's no way that He can use us because we feel like we're disqualified to be used by God in a very big way. Now, for those of you who, who have ever felt like that, we're going to look at a verse in the Bible, and whenever these nagging thoughts start coming into your mind, I want you to re- remember this verse, because this will be, this will be a good verse for, for you to remember. And it's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It's, it'll be up here on the screen. It's in, on your listening guide also. It says, For we are God's masterpiece. Now just stop right there for a second and think about that. You are God's masterpiece. Okay, you are a masterpiece of God. That's what that's saying there. And whenever you start beating yourself up, or whenever you start belittling yourself, you aren't listening to God. Okay, you're, you're listening to the devil. Because you are God's masterpiece. You are His masterpiece. And because of that, it goes on and says, He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. So you are God's masterpiece. You were were created by God. You were designed by God to be used for His glory. You have these skill sets, these talents, these interests, these these passions that are inside of you that He has given you. And long before you were born, God knew how you were going to be. He knew that, that you would be created and you were here to glorify His name and do what He would have you to do. Because you are a masterpiece of God. But like I said, the moment you start stepping in that direction and you try to do the things that God wants you to do, then your spiritual enemy comes and starts planting these seeds of doubt in your mind. You're not good enough. You'll never measure up. You'll just mess up. And so whenever that happens in your life, whenever those, those thoughts come, I want to encourage you to think about 
remember what we talk about here today. Because the Bible tells us that he uses that God uses different types of people. And who does God use? Who who does God use here on this earth? And the first one on your listening guide is this: God uses the insecure. God uses the insecure. He uses those people who are unsure of their own abilities. Now we, a lot of times, we're unsure of ourselves, aren't we? We have these insecurities in our life. Would you raise your hand if you have insecurities? Okay, that's pretty good. That's just about everybody. That's good because if you didn't raise your hand, then that would just show you have major insecurities, all right? <laughs> I'm not raising my hand because there's no way. So, But, you know, we all have insecurities, don't we? We all have these shortcomings that we recognize in, in our life. And, if, and since you all recognize that, I just want to say to you, congratulations. You're a candidate for God to use. And we, we see this principle in the, in the Old Testament when God called Moses to deliver his people out of slavery in, in Egypt. And when God came to talk to Moses, and he said, he, he said, Moses, I got this job for you. I want you to do this. You know, this, this is what you're going to do. The very first thing that Moses did was reveal his own insecurities. He revealed his own securities that he had. And he says this, this is Exodus chapter 4, uh, starting at verse 10. said, But Moses pleaded with the Lord, O Lord, I'm not very good with words. I've never been. I'm not now. Even though you, even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied. And my words get tangled. In other words, what he's saying is, God, I'm not your guy because you put me out in front of people to speak, I'm going to freak out. Okay, I'm, going to say, I'm going to say the wrong thing. I, I can't talk in front of people. I can't talk in front of crowds. You know, I put my foot in my mouth. I stutter. You know, I do all sorts of things. I'm not the right person. That's what he's saying. God wants to use you. And whenever you take a step in that direction, I can guarantee you, without a doubt, 100% guarantee you, that this resume for failure will start to play out in your mind. You're going to start going over these things. You're going to start going down all the bullet points. This is why I can't do this. You know, this is why I'm unqualified to do this. I'm not good enough. Or I don't know enough. Or you might say, I'm too old to connect with young people. Or you might say, I'm too young. I don't have any experience. And there's always a reason. There's always an, an excuse. There's no way I can make a difference. When we start playing that out, you're, you know, I'm not a great musician. Or I'm not a great speaker. Or I don't have any skills. And we know that girls love guys with skills. Like nunchuck skills and bow hunting skills and computer hacking skills. Girls love guys with skills. <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite, in case you can't figure that out there. That's an awesome movie. So. If you haven't seen it, I guarantee I recommend watching Nate has told me before that he, he used to be able to do the dance, the Napoleon Dynamite dance that he did in the movie. So maybe someday we'll have a special dance. I don't, I don't know. But God loves to, use the, he, he loves to use the insecure. And I can tell you from a personal standpoint that uh, I'm going to open up a little bit here, a little bit of confession time. I feel incredibly unqualified to do what I'm doing. I mean, I do. I've been in the ministry for 25 years now, and I still get nervous. And in case you haven't figured it out, I'm an introvert by nature. And, you know, I'm quiet. I'd rather be, you know, in the 
corner somewhere because <laughs> I'm an introvert. And I've shared before, I have a small problem with stuttering. And believe it or not, I do. And sometimes I just can't get the words out. And usually it's at the beginning of a sentence, uh, some certain words that I can't, I can't get out. And you know, I, start to, I start to stutter. And, and just this past week, you know, Emma was in one room and I was in the kitchen getting ready to head outside to do something and I was going to yell something at her. <laughs> that kind of sounds bad when I just said it like that. But I was going to tell her something. I was yelling because she was in a different room. So you know, I was going to say something. And I stood there by myself in the kitchen for at least 20 seconds like this. Because I couldn't get the word out. I couldn't, I couldn't get the word out. And, you know, I, I feel like I don't have what it takes. Which in a crazy way, makes me a better candidate to be used by God. Because that's just how God works. You are a masterpiece of God. God made you. God wired you a certain way with certain gifts, certain abilities, certain passions. And there are, there are things that you care more about than, you know, in your life and in society than you know, other people around you care about. And, and the reason for that is because God made you that way. And He puts you in this time, in this place in history. This is the right place for you to be born, the right time for you to be born, around the right people who have you know, the, the, the right weaknesses. And you're there for a reason. And the reason for that is, is because in our weaknesses, our insecurities, that's where God wants to work. That's where He, he does His best work. It's because it's through our weaknesses and our insecurities that His strength is made perfect. That there's room for Him to work in those areas in our life when we put our confidence in Him rather than in ourselves. So God wants to use those who are insecure. Now back to Moses. Moses said, uh, God, you might want to rethink this. Okay, you, you've got the wrong guy here. I'm not a good speaker. Watch how God answers him. This is verses 11 and 12 in Exodus 4. So then the Lord said to Moses, Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Hear or do not hear? See or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. And then he gives him some reassurance here. He says, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. I will instruct you in what to say, but Moses first... You have to go. You have to go. You have to step out in order to find out. You have to go in order for me to help you. You have to open your mouth so that I can fill it with the right words. You take that step of faith, and then I will meet you there. Even though you do not believe in yourself, I believe in you. You can make a difference. I can use you. Step out. Go out and find out. So God uses the insecure. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad He does. I'm glad He does. The second type of person God uses is God also uses the unlikely. God loves to use those people who are overlooked. Those people who we sometimes as humans, we tend to kind of just pass over and don't pay any, any attention to. And you know, we look at them and say, we don't know that they really have what, what it takes there. 
Now, if there's anybody in here who was in high school, if you were voted most likely to succeed, you know, you had uh, you voted most talented or, or whatever, head cheerleader, you know, you're the football captain, you know, you're really good at sports, maybe you had really high SAT scores and you always did really good and, and your, your test, you're the valedictorian. I've got good news for you if that describes you. God can still use you. Okay, he can, he can still use you. It's just that He specializes in using the unlikely. And using those people who they don't believe they have what it takes. And we see this in the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel chapter 16. And Samuel, he's a prophet. He's been sent by God to go out and to anoint the, the new king. And so he went to this guy named Jesse. He went to his house and... Jesse lined up all his sons, or most of his sons, as you'll find out here in a second. And, and Samuel's looking at all these guys saying, I wonder which one of these is the next king. I wonder who, you know, which one of these God wants me to anoint. And he, he looks at the tallest and the, the most handsome, the most likely candidate that you would think. And he sa- he's thinking to himself, surely this is, this is God's chosen one. Surely this is it right here. And we'll pick up the story in verse 6. For Samuel 16, it says, When they arrived, Samuel, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, Surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. What does man look at? The appearance. The outside. What does God look at? The heart. He looks at the inside. God sees things in you that no one else sees. And God loves to use the unlikely. When you think about it, the same thing is true about Jesus and His, His ministry here on earth. Everyone initially wrote him off. Everyone else initially wrote him off. I mean, he was just a carpenter's son. He really wasn't anybody, anybody special. And there's a story about at the, at the beginning of his ministry when he's going around and he's, he's calling some people, some disciples to come follow him so he can train, train them up. And he had called uh, Philip and Andrew and Peter. And one day these three guys, they were talking to one of their brothers, I can't remember which one of who was his brother, they were talking to Nathaniel. And these three guys, they were saying, hey Nate, we've, we found the one. We have found the one. And he's like, what are you talking about? And they said, you know, the, the Messiah, the, the promised one who's been prophesied for centuries. You know, he, we, we have found him. We think we met him. And so Nathaniel says, okay, what's his name? And they said, his name is Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathaniel, he said, yeah, right. Nothing good can come from Nazareth. There is, there is no way. That is the most unlikely place. And when you think about it, Jesus, He was an unlikely person to be the Savior of the world. He wasn't born in a prominent family. He didn't have a big name. And quite honestly, the name Jesus was kind of common back then. He didn't have a big name. He didn't have wealth. According to the Old Testament, it uh, says he wasn't especially attractive to look at. 
And so he didn't have anything else that the world was looking for. He didn't have all these things. But he had something that God had planted inside of him. What good thing can come from Nazareth? Early on when I was entering the ministry, I was trying to find a church to serve. And since we're not part of a denomination, it's like doing a job search anywhere else. You have to find out what's out there, you know, kind of really search for a lot of things to find out what churches are looking. And, and it was amazing when you'd find the information that from churches about what they were looking for in their, their preaching candidates. And it's just crazy, the qualifications that they were looking for. And I want to remind you, these weren't big churches, and they weren't in big cities either. But they usually required three things. You can boil it down to three things. They wanted a senior pastor who was married with a great family. They wanted somebody with a master's degree. And they wanted someone with at least 10 years ministry experience. And guess what? If Jesus had applied at any of those churches, He wouldn't have gotten a job. That's crazy. It's crazy a lot of times. But God, He doesn't look at the things that other people look at. He sees the things that people don't see. God specializes in using the unlikely. Now I want to give you a quick word of encouragement here. This will free you up to do what God wants you to do. This will free you up in your life to do what God wants you to do. And this is it. Stop believing what other people say about you. You are not what other people say about you. You are who God says you are. And you are God's masterpiece. He says, you are my masterpiece. So listen to him. Samuel, he's looking for the next king. Even David's dad, you know, Jesse, you know, David was out in the field doing work because that's, you know, he was the youngest. That's what, that's what he was supposed to do. And David, you know, his dad didn't even believe he was qualified. And in verse 11 there in 1 Samuel 16, it says, Samuel, after he looked at all these other brothers, he said, are these all the sons you have? And you can kind of hear the doubt here. Jesse replied, well, they're still the youngest, but, you know, he's out in the fields and he's watching the sheep and the goats. He's out there where he belongs. You know, he's out there doing, doing what he's supposed to be doing. Long story short, David was exactly who God was looking for. He was exactly who God was looking for. So who does God use? He uses the insecure. He uses the unlikely. And number three, one that we can all probably relate to, God uses failures. He uses failures. If you have failed, i got good news for you. God can still use you. You're still a candidate to be used by God. In the New Testament, we see the story about a guy who's been described as the most successful failure in the Bible. Okay, It's Peter. Know anything about Peter? Peter, he, he loved to talk. And he often spoke, you know, before he thought uh, a lot of times that he put his foot in, in his, his mouth and, you know, this would get him in trouble. 
a lot of times. And he, he was a guy on the night of the Last Supper that bragged about his faithfulness. As Jesus had all the disciples together and he was saying, this is what's going to happen here before too long. And Peter, he looks at him and he says, Jesus, all these other guys may turn their back on you. All these other guys may leave you, but that's just because they're a bunch of losers. Okay, I will never do that. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am always with you. And since Jesus was Jesus, he knew what was going to happen. And he said, Peter... I got bad news for you. Even the night before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me not once, not twice, but you're going to deny me three times that, that you even know me. And Peter's like, no, no, Jesus, you got that all wrong. You're, you're mistaken. You're thinking about somebody else. So I would never do that. I would never leave you. But on the night of Jesus' arrest, Peter followed Everything that was going on, he followed at a distance. And he was hanging out with the crowds outside of where the trial was going on. And by the way, I just want to say, I don't think Peter gets enough credit you know, for being there because all the other dis- disciples, they kind of scattered like cockroaches when you turn on the light, you know, when all that happened. But Peter, at least he was still there. And a couple of people, while he was hanging out out there, a couple of people, they came up to him and asked if he knew Jesus. And he said, no, I don't know him. I don't know what you're talking about. And then a third guy came, comes up to him and asked him the same question. said, do you know Jesus? And in Luke chapter 22, starting at verse 60, it tells us what happened. It says, Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Saying, I don't know Jesus. And immediately, while he was still speaking... The rooster crowed. And at that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Now, can you imagine the pain and the humiliation that he felt at that moment? So suddenly the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. Man, I just failed. I just messed up. I said I wouldn't leave him. I just did. I just turned my back on him. My credibility is blown. There's no way he can, you know, that he will ever be able to use me for anything. If he does have this unconditional love, I've just pushed it to the limit. He's never going to trust me again. Turn my back on him. So if you have ever failed, Congratulations. Because it's at that point you are more broken and you are more ready to be used by God than at any time you've ever been in your past. Now some of you, you've hurt deeply, you've been embarrassed by some things. Now there's there's some people who, who mess up and their supposed Christian friends turn their backs on them or you know, even their churches, they practically disowns them. I just want to say, God will never disown you. He will never turn His back on you. He still loves you. Even when you mess up, He still loves you. And He can use you. Now what's neat about this story with Peter is that he and Jesus, they eventually, after you know, a little bit later, they, they get back together and Jesus forgave him. And he used Peter 
to do something that was perhaps the greatest thing in the New Testament next to the resurrection itself. And that was he used Peter to help birth the New Testament church. He helped start the church after Jesus had resurrected. The failure Peter, he preached at this, uh, this initial meeting, which was called Pentecost in the Bible. And what did he preach? Look at Acts 2.38. Says each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, why do you think he was able to preach about forgiveness so passionately? It's because he had been forgiven. He had experienced that forgiveness from Jesus. And the Bible tells us, if you, read the, if you read the story there in Acts, that he preached about this. And so many people believed that there were about 3,000 people that day, very first day of the church starting, that were baptized. Now imagine that. The most successful failure. God used him. Now God wants to use every single one of you. You may say, okay God, let's do something big. Now go big or go home kind of thing. Let's, let's, let's do this. Let me tell you right now, don't start there. Right? Don't start there. Start small. Because you will be surprised at how the small things end up making the biggest difference. And when you are faithful, Jesus tells us, when you're faithful in the small things... That's when you can be graduated on to the big things. So start small. And that could be something as seemingly insignificant as remembering someone's name. You know, greeting them by name. It could be something as small as giving somebody a hug. Just to show they have value. Or teaching uh, the youngest people of our church truths from the Bible. You can fill in the blank. But what we, what we tend to do as humans, as people, is we think that if it's not in the spotlight, that it's not important. That's, that's got to be in the spotlight to mean something. I just want to say, be willing to start small. So there, there are some people, you know, you're going to do something small, you're going to do something small for somebody, and it's going to make a huge difference. It's going to make a big difference for them. So start there. There's going to be some things that God puts, puts on your heart. And what do you do at that point when you feel God is leading you to do something? You think, yeah, I really should do this. I really should, should do this thing even though it doesn't seem important. What do we do? On your listening guide, you have to step out to find out what God wants you to do. You have to step out to find out. One time Jesus or all the disciples were in the boat and they were out in the middle of the lake and Jesus comes up to them and he's walking on the water. Okay, he's out in the middle. They come he comes walking up on the in the water and you know it's kind of a if you put yourself in that situation, it'd be kind of weird to see you know see somebody walking on the water out there to him. And Peter he looked out and thought, you know, I think that's Jesus out there. And he he thought to himself Again, like Peter, 
I wonder if I can do that. That would be cool. You know, I, I wonder if I can do that. And so he calls out to Jesus in Matthew 14, 28. And he said, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. And then Jesus answers with one word. And then he says, come. Come. Peter got out of the boat. He walked on the water towards Jesus. Peter would have never known that that was possible if he'd stayed in the boat. If he stayed where he was comfortable. And you know what? Neither will you. You won't know what's possible until you're ready to step out of the boat. You ready to be challenged? Some of you have been in your spiritual comfort zone for far too long. You're there where it's comfortable. It's time for you to take a spiritual risk and get out of that boat. You have to step out to find out. It's time. The time has come for you now to stop only consuming but to start contributing. You have to step out. Like I said, the smallest thing that you do, it could have the biggest impact in somebody's life. You have to step out to find out. It's the little things. So I'm hoping today that that we're all able to leave here with eyes to see things that we haven't ever seen before or ears to hear things that aren't necessarily being said and that we have a heart that is broken that, that is broken by the things that breaks the heart of God. Because God wants to use you. He wants to use us. He wants to use all of us. He wants to use us as individuals, and He wants to use us as a church. And so I'm praying and I'm hoping that it's difficult for you to get out of the building today and to get on with your life this week, to go to work, to do whatever you do, and to not see the needs that God wants you to meet. I'm hoping you have God's eyes. And if you ask Him to do that in your life, I want to give you a warning. Fair fair word of warning here. If you ask Him to use you, He's going to come down and His will will intersect with your life. And things will never be the same. Things will be different from that point on. But... You have to step out to find out. So I challenge you to pray the prayer, God use me. And like I said at the beginning, when you begin to start in that direction, what's going to happen? The enemy is going to come, going to plant doubts in your mind. Going to give you that resume for failure. I'll tell you all the reasons why you can't do it. Tell him to shut up. Okay, Don't listen to that. Just remember, God uses people like us. He uses people like you. Peter, who was forgiven, he preached boldly. He said, repent. Turn away from your sins. Turn to Jesus. Be baptized in Him and you will be saved. And the the message of the Gospel is very clear. 
You cannot be made right with God on your own power. There's no way that we can do that. It's impossible to be made right with God by ourselves. It's only by faith. It's only by faith in the perfect, sinless sacrifice of Jesus Christ when He was nailed on the cross and shed that innocent blood that we can get that forgiveness of sins. When we accept that, we can be reunited with Him. Some of you right now, you know you're separated from God. I'm not where I need to be. What do you do? You repent. Jesus, forgive me. I understand. I believe that you're the Son of God. I surrender my life to you. And all that junk, all that filth, all those sins, it's forgiven. Just like it's never happened. And just like Peter also said there in Acts chapter 2, on your listening guide, you know, we, we need to be baptized. And when you do that, we are made brand new in the eyes of God. We die to ourselves. We're raised up a new person, a new creation, to fulfill God's purpose and to glorify Him. You are a masterpiece of God. You are here to glorify His name. Like I said, it's all made possible because of Jesus and His sacrifice for us. And in just a moment, we're going to take a time of, of communion. Some churches call it the Lord's Supper. And we do this on a weekly basis here at Real Life. And like I always say, it's a good spiritual recalibration for us to remind us what's important. And it, the, the little wafer, it represents His body. The little cup of juice, it represents His blood that He so willingly gave for us on the cross. And as it's passed in front of you, you've stepped across that line and you've made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, you're more than welcome to take part in it. You don't have to be a part of real life here. You know, we just want to make it available to you. If you don't want to take it, you don't have to take it either. Like I said, we just want to make it available to you. But I do encourage you to take it in remembrance of Him and His sacrifice because that's what it's all about. And after that, we'll pass some blue offering bags. And if you're here visiting with us or checking us out, then don't feel obligated to give. That's just for everybody else our partners and regular attenders, but it would be a good time for you to put in your blue PR sheet if you've had a chance to fill that out. Let's go ahead and pray.